Welcome to the podcast for First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights. During the spring and summer, we're going to be doing a sermon series called Through a Mirror Darkly. The idea behind this series is that we will look at various themes that are universal to the human experience. Each week, we will take a different theme and examine a single or several different stories from the Facebook blog, Humans of New York. I hope you enjoy. Our first scripture comes to us from Proverbs chapter 12, verses 25 through 26, and chapter 14, verses 12 and 13. Anxiety weighs down the human heart, but a good word cheers it up. The righteous gives good advice to friends, but the way of the wicked leads astray. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Even in laughter, the heart is sad, and the end of joy is grief. The word of the Lord. Our second scripture reading today comes from Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the bird of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is the word of the Lord. So we are doing a sermon series over the summer called Through a Mirror Darkly. The concept behind this series is that we're talking about themes that are universal to the human experience. And the way we're doing this is that we are looking at stories that come from the Facebook blog Humans of New York. And so each week we begin by showing these stories. You'll see the image up on the screen. You'll hear it narrated by members of our congregation. And then afterwards, we're going to examine their experiences. They will be very different from our own. It will be like looking through a mirror darkly. But the hope is, is that by looking at their experiences and comparing them with our own, that we might be able to dig deep and understand how we can better live into God's will for our lives. So let's take a look at our stories for today. I knew a girl in high school that always complained about having anxiety. I used to make fun of her a little bit. It looked like nothing to me, so I assumed it was nothing. And I dealt with it by trying to convince her that it was nothing. I called her recently to apologize. I've had really bad anxiety ever since my father died, and it's definitely not nothing. It's the indescribable fear of nothing. If you could give one piece of advice to a large group of people, what would it be? I'd tell them the same thing I'd tell one person, that if you understand failure, you won't be afraid of it anymore. Failure isn't diving on your face or hitting rock bottom. That's just being human. You only fail when you decide not to try again. So it's entirely in your control. Once you understand failure, it's impossible to fail. I turned 35 recently. Everything is one big question for me right now. My dog died in January. I quit my job, chopped off my hair. I got into a huge fight with my boyfriend last night. Now I don't know what's gonna happen. I feel like I'm about to fall apart. I've never been the type of girl who thought too much about the kids or dreamed about a wedding day or thought about the wedding dress. But I'm 35 now. I can't help but to wonder if it's ever going to happen and when it's going to happen and who is it going to happen with. I've been a bartender since the age of 18. 
I got used to it. It was safe. I couldn't mess it up. There's only one way to make a Manhattan. And the whole reason I quit my job was to pull the rug out from under myself. I want to use my cosmetology degree and pursue a career in hairstyling. But I've interviewed with several salons now and nothing has come of it. I'm really losing my self-confidence. I feel like everything is crashing down around me. I think I spent 17 years stuck as a bartender because I was so afraid of feeling like this. I'm a Catholic priest. What's the most difficult part about being a priest? You sort of have to be all things to all people, and everyone expects you to fulfill their needs right away. It may sometimes seem like I'm not concerned with your problem, but I might just be tired or have the flu. I'm homosexual, and I'm afraid about what my future will be and that people won't like me. I've struggled with weight my whole life. When I was 21, I decided I wanted to be skinny. I thought it was going to bring me love, happiness, and everything that I wanted. I barely ate, I exercised three times a day, I got down to 130 pounds and I was more miserable than ever. I hated myself and after that I gave up on trying to be thin. Now I've gotten to the point where I have to lose weight again, but this time it's for my health. Are you lonely? It's been a lifetime of loneliness. I decided early on that I better get used to it. I go to movies by myself. If the movie theater is completely empty, I'm even happier. I learned early on that if I wanted to go to restaurants, I better learn to go by myself. One benefit to being big is that people don't bother you. I'm shocked that you came up to me. Nobody's ever done that. When I started to go to therapy, it took me several sessions before I even spoke a word. I'd just sit there and cry. And honestly, you caught me on a tough day. I was sitting here feeling really bad about myself because I went to the doctor today and I was sure that I'd lost weight, but I'd gained some. I've been trying to get into a full-time orchestra for the past 20 years. I guess I've been to over 200 auditions. It can be pretty heartbreaking. I tried out for the New York Philharmonic four times. One time I prepared three months for the Los Angeles Philharmonic audition, flew all the way across the country, and they cut me off after 12 seconds. But believe it or not, I still have a certain amount of optimism about the process, and I think I'm getting better. So one of the most challenging aspects of being human is that we all suffer from feelings of sadness, anxiety, and failure. All of us feel those things. And when one of those feelings encompasses you, the fact is, is that they can often lead to the others because they are interlinked together. You feel one of those, it will trigger the other. It will cascade downwards. So for instance, Anxiety can very often lead to feelings of failure and sadness. Why? Because anxiety, as the proverb says, weighs down the human heart. Now let's talk about anxiety for a second. We use that word, but we don't really define what it means. And to define it, I want to turn to the story of this man. So remember what he talked about, how he used to make fun of his classmate when he was younger because she suffered from anxiety. And he said, anxiety is nothing. And then his father passes away, and he starts feeling anxiety in a big way. And he defines anxiety in this really profound way. He says, anxiety is not nothing. It is the indescribable fear of nothing. That really struck me when I saw that. I thought, wow, that is so spot on what he's saying. 
Where does anxiety come from? Anxiety comes from worry. And why do we worry about something? We worry about things because we feel out of control in the situation we're in, right? It's something you care about, you want it to go your way, but you can't control it, and so you worry about that. Because, let's be honest, do you worry about situations where you feel in control? No, of course not, right? You're not going to worry about that. You worry about the ones that are out of your control. And so what happens is that when we feel anxiety, the core of that is really around this idea of control. And when we feel out of control, that's when those bad thoughts begin to creep in. That's when we begin to sit there and we think to ourselves, what did I do wrong? What should I have done differently? Am I good enough? Am I a failure? And what happens is that those feelings, they can be amplified in our mind to the point when we're looking at the prospect of failure, all of a sudden we start to feel very sad and we start to feel hopeless. We, fall, we start to feel downtrodden and despairing. And then that leads us to feel more anxiety and the cycle starts all over again and gets much worse. Is this sounding like something you've been through in your life before? No? None of you, huh? Wow, I'd like to live your life because that is definitely not the way I live, that's for sure. Is that the way you live? I mean, do you know that to be true? Yes. Ooh, you all must have had quite a weekend. <laughs> Still the effects of Fourth of July are wearing off, huh? Yes, we all feel this way. If you don't know what that's like, if that's not your life, please come and see me. I would love to know the secret to your success. Because the fact is, we all deal with this. And these stories that we saw from Humans of New York, the reason I love these so much is because it talks about these three feelings, sadness, anxiety, and failure, from a lot of different perspectives. So let's start with this woman right here. This woman, she feels aimless and alone. She's been a bartender her whole life, and then at the age of 35, she makes a decision. She decides, you know what, I'm gonna quit my job. Now, why does she want to quit her job? She decides to quit her job because she feels anxiety over the fact that her life is not going the way that she wants it to go. So she decides to pull the rug out from under herself. She's gonna try something completely different. So she goes out, she uses her cosmetology degree, but the problem is she can't get a job, right? Like that's the problem. She goes out, she's going to do this thing, she can't get a job. This is very common. Anxiety leads to failure. And then she feels agitated, so she gets in an argument with her boyfriend, and now she's out on the street feeling sad and dejected. That failure leads to sadness. And what does she say at the end? Do you remember? She said at the very end of it, my world is crashing down around me, and I think the reason why I remained a bartender for 17 years is because I was afraid of feeling like this. Do any of you in here like the feelings of sadness, anxiety, and failure? Does anybody like that? No, right? We do everything in our power to avoid feeling that way. And what we do is we create these cocoons around ourselves to keep us safe. That woman, how did she keep herself safe? She was a bartender. She knew what to do. She said, there's only one way to make a Manhattan. Easy to do, right? You do it. And we like that as human beings. We like that consistency in our lives. But here's the irony of all of that safety, is that when you spend your whole life trying to keep yourself safe, you never end up really living your life. When you spend all of your time 
worried about trying to avoid being hurt, you never take a chance. The cost of self-discovery is the possibility that you will feel sadness, anxiety, and failure. That is the price you pay for being bold. And we see this in the man who is the cello player. So this guy has been to more than 200 auditions and has never realized his dream of being in the top orchestras in the world. Can you imagine what that would be like? To be dedicating your life to something you love and you can never quite make it happen? I mean, that's rough. When he talks about flying all the way out to L.A. to audition for the L.A. Philharmonic, and he gets cut off after how long? 12 seconds. I'd be done. I'd be out. I'd say, you know what? I've had a good run of it. I'm hanging up the cello. I'm out. I'm good. Okay. But he didn't do that. What does he say? He says, believe it or not, I still have a lot of optimism about the process, and I think I'm getting better. Now, how great is that? How wonderful is that? After 200 failures, he's still optimistic. And this really gets at what this man is talking about right here. So Brandon asks him a question. He says, if you could give one piece of advice to a group of people, what would it be? And this is what he says. That if you understand failure, you won't be afraid of it anymore. You only fail when you decide not to try. Try again. So it's entirely in your control. Once you understand failure, it's impossible to fail. Oh, I agree with that so much. Never have truer words been spoken. Failure is such an important part of life because failure is how we learn. We learn the most from our failures. And yet, we spend huge amounts of time trying to avoid failing. And herein lies a fascinating paradox. The paradox goes something like this. The more time that you spend trying not to fail, the higher your anxiety over that because you're always worrying about, oh no, I can't fail. Whereas if you go out and you experience failure, then it actually reduces your anxiety because you become less afraid to fail. That's an interesting paradox we deal with as human beings. You need to fail so that you don't feel anxiety over failure. Now, this is what they're getting at in the proverb that we read today. There is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Even in laughter, the heart is sad, and the end of joy is grief. What is, the, what is this author talking about? He's saying, you're going to do a lot of things in your life that are not going to work out. You're going to do a lot of things in your life that you think are going to go the right way, and they're going to go sideways. Even when you think you're on solid ground, the ground can shift on you in a moment. And so if we just accept that this is the way life is, for instance, that the end of joy is grief, if you just accept that that's going to happen, then you don't need to worry about it. Yes, joy is going to lead to grief. There's nothing you can do about that. Even if you don't like it, that's going to happen. But here's the thing. The beauty of life is that the opposite is also true, is that grief will lead you back to joy. But when you're in the thick of things, that can be hard, can't it? It can be hard to see that. It can be hard to see that maybe you're going to get back to joy. And one of the stories that hit me the hardest in this series of stories we listen to is the one of the priest who feels overwhelmed by his responsibilities. Now you can see this guy is on the verge of tears. 
I know those tears. I know what that's like. Judy knows what that's like. TC, not so much. <laughs> it's not his fault. He just doesn't cry. I think it's because he doesn't have a soul, but that's not, it's the way he was born. I don't know. Don't judge him, okay? So this priest, he's trying to do his best to be there for the people who need him. He's trying to do his best to take care of all of his responsibilities, but he's just a human being. He's not Superman. And when you feel the weight of those responsibilities on your shoulders, it's very easy to feel like a failure. It's very easy to feel like you're not enough. Because there's something about ministry that you have to understand. It's unlike any other job, which is that there are always judgments coming at you. There are always judgments about what you said, or what you didn't say, about what you did, or what you didn't do. Always coming your way. And you try to rise above it. You try to let those things roll off your back. But the fact is, it can be hard. And sometimes that stuff can suck you down, and it's hard to come up for air. And you can see that feeling in this young boy right here. Now, this went by quick. You may not have realized what was happening there. But this young boy, very short sentence, all he said was, he was worried about being accepted because he's gay. I think deep down inside, at the core of these feelings of sadness, anxiety, and failure, is this deep longing we all have for acceptance. I think all of us just want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We don't want to be rejected because we are different. And if you're part of the gay community, that rejection is palpable. Because if you're part of that community, you're not only an outcast, but you have to deal with discrimination. Sometimes, classically, you had to deal with violence and even death. And this boy, he is worried about those things. He's worried about that rejection. He just wants to know he's going to be accepted. And in this moment, clearly, he doesn't think that that's going to happen. He doesn't think he's ever going to be happy. And when we don't feel that we can be happy, when we don't feel that we can be loved, when we don't feel that we'll be accepted, that's something that can really drag us down. And it's something we all crave. Do you crave that, to know that you're loved and accepted? Yes. I assume everyone in here does. When you don't feel that, that's when those feelings of sadness, anxiety, and failure are like dark passengers that follow us wherever we go. But the beauty of the Christian faith is that it offers us a solution so that we can rid ourselves of those dark passengers. So we read from the book of Genesis this morning, didn't we? Genesis, it's your favorite book, isn't it? It should be. We spent a whole year on it. So we read from chapter 1. And in chapter 1, there is this profound idea that we as human beings are created in God's image. Now, does that mean that you look like God? Does that mean that God looks like you? Last, last service, Judy said, I sure hope not. <laughs> no. No. What it means is, is that we all carry a little bit of God within us, right? We all carry in our hearts a little bit of who God is. Maybe you call it the soul. Maybe you call that the divine spark. But we all carry that with us. And what's interesting about this is that we as Christians, we are encouraged to view each other the same way God views us. 
And that is, we are told that we are these people who have this infinite potential for good in spite of our shortcomings. And that's really important. We have this infinite potential for good in spite of our shortcomings. And when you're willing to see each other that way, it does something amazing. Because the fact is, there's something beautiful about this. We're all on the same page. No one person is better than anyone else. Everyone is equal when you think about it from the perspective of that verse. Now, that's a wonderful way to think, isn't it? Is that the way society operates, though? No, it is not. In society, there are very distinct differences that make you better or worse than somebody else. And those differences, by the way, they have a huge impact on your life. A huge impact. You heard TC talking about this. Whether you're legal, illegal, right? These types of things come along. We see this with the man here. This man. He's overweight. And he's struggling with his weight issues. And if you remember what he said, he talked about how when he was 21, he weighed 130 pounds. And he believed that being thin was the key to having a life of happiness and love. Why does he believe this to be true? Because in our culture, we worship thinness. People who are thin have more value than people who are overweight. And that is not simply a perception, friends. That has statistics to back it up. People who are overweight very often get passed over for raises. They get passed over for promotions. And they often have more trouble finding life partners. That happens over and over and over again. So yes, we may all be equal in the eyes of God, but in society, there are very distinct differences that cause us to be seen as different from each other. And this poor guy, he tries to live into that ideal of what it means to be thin. And what does he say? Is he happy with his life? No, what did he say? He said he was what? Miserable. So this poor guy, he lets go, and now he's got to deal with the stigma of his weight. And on top of that, he's super lonely. Remember what he said about Brandon? He said, I'm surprised you came up and even said anything to me. Nobody has ever done that to me before in my life. Can you imagine living in such a way that people disregard you to the point that you are essentially invisible? That level of isolation and loneliness leads to a certain amount of sadness that is so deep it's hard for us to imagine. And he admits as much when he talks about going to therapy. And what does he say? He said, for the first few sessions, he didn't even speak. He just cried the entire time. That's what some people are dealing with in our society. That is the level of sadness, anxiety, and failure that people feel. And if you were to ask me, why is the church still relevant in the 21st century? What I would say to you is that the church is one of the last places where people should be able to come without judgment. At the core of the Christian faith is this opportunity for a fundamental reset. If we live according to the principle that we are all made in God's image, then what that means is we can be different inside of these walls than everybody else is on the outside. In here, we can live according to the principle that everyone is equal. And do you know how we do that? We do that by being vulnerable with each other. We do that by saying, look, I have these issues and I struggle with these problems. You say, look, I deal with issues. 
of sadness, anxiety, and failure. And I'm not just saying that to say it as part of the sermon. That is true, guys. I deal with that all the time. And I know that many of you do as well. And so if we're willing to be open about that, then we can support each other. And we don't have to allow those dark passengers to weigh us down. And so here's my prayer for you today. My prayer for you is that you might be real with each other. That you might be open with each other about the struggles that you face in your lives. Don't just get up and leave after you've been here today to say, okay, well, it's good. I'll see you later, right? No, be open and honest with each other. Talk to each other about the struggles you go through. Because the fact is, you hiding it doesn't do anything. We all go through it. We all struggle with those feelings of inadequacy. That's what makes us equal, friends, is that we all feel that way. And so, our job as Christians is to make sure that we love each other. Because by loving each other, we can rid ourselves of those dark passengers. And we can have these opportunities to be transformed into the true reflection of God's image that we were intended to be. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.